So now I'd like to introduce you to our fantastic panelists this morning. If I can ask them to please join us up here in the hot seat. Give them a round of applause. So we'll start with Karen Biazar. Karen Biazar is a founding partner and president of North Clybourne Group, Inc. Since 1989, a 100% woman-owned corporation. She's a self-made, homegrown, authentic Chicago native who considers her team a results-driven elite strike force. She believes in leadership from the top down and teaching through immersion. She's recognized for real-world practical insight, fundamentals, doing the little things really well, staying one step ahead. She's a platinum and gold level top producer. Please welcome Karen. Barry Levine joined App Properties in 2004, and she currently leads the Barry and Elena Real Estate Group, which has grown to become one of the top five teams within App Properties, with over 80 million in sales in 2017. Barry has been involved in more than 650 real estate transactions since she began in the business. She works with buyers, sellers, and renters in prime downtown, north, south, and west side Chicago neighborhoods. She maintains an in-depth knowledge of current market conditions and values, not only neighborhood by neighborhood, but block by block and building by building. She's a platinum and gold level top producer. Please welcome Barry. Joe Zimmerman's vision throughout his career is to change the landscape of the Chicago real estate market by doing hashtag something greater. As the captain and owner of the Zimmerman Property Group started in 2018, he has brought this vision to life. He believes in building a team that takes real estate beyond the transaction. Joe is recognized for his natural leadership ability in the industry and a person for others. He strives to be the best for his family, friends, clients, and colleagues. He's a platinum and gold level top producer and Sterling RPAC major investor. Please welcome Joe. Okay, so are we ready? Should we get right into it? So we have a few questions for our panelists. At the end, we'll do a Q&A. So if you have a question, you can wait till the end. Please do, if it's really important, I guess we can jump in. So we'll start with this. How do you navigate tough conversations about the market, especially in a shifting market, or having conversations about pricing, different concerns and reasons for moving or relocating, all of the above. <laughs> Thanks, John. All right. Um, I think it starts with transparency and setting the right foundation from the beginning with whomever you're talking with, um, whatever the conversation's about, and, and working past your fears. I think today is a good example for me. One of my goals was um, to do things that I'm uncomfortable with. Um, and to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and it's a muscle that we have to exercise, um, and if we don't use it, it dies. Um, so um, again, I think it's transparency and setting the right foundation from the beginning. Um, building it where you're not affecting the confidence um, in whatever the topic is of, of your expertise, um, but more um, to be able to, you know, that, it, that it would be familiar if it's something that needs to come forward at a later date. And I did my first question. Yeah. <laughs> Do we all answer? If you have something oh, to add. Yeah. I agree with Karen. <laughs> um, the end. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but no, I think it's it's being honest and um, about the market and what's happening. And you're in it. And so you're out there seeing what's happening. So you have you can look at all the stats nationally or in Chicago and everything, but your market is unique. 
and, and you're the expert. So you just have to be honest about what you're seeing, what are your buyers saying, um, how comfortable are they looking at places and buying, or what's their reaction been to just the taxes going up or being reassessed in 2018, and um, just approaching it in a very honest way and giving feedback and um, making your clients feel comfortable either moving forward or making just making the right decision, whether it's renting or buying or selling. Um, you just, again, like being transparent and having a very honest approach and um, using the knowledge that you have of your own market to combat maybe what they're reading in Cranes or the Tribune that um, can also have a big negative, um, negative aspect to it. You know, you want to stay positive. Everyone needs homes. You need a place to live. So people are going to buy and they're always going to sell whether the market is good, bad, or whatnot. So um, just be encouraging and positive and honest. Cool. That's great. Thanks. Um, first and foremost, uh, <coughs> Uh, Karen, myself, and Barry want to thank you guys all for showing up, so we appreciate it. So um, clarity is power, right? So getting an understanding of what question or what hurdle they're asking about is going to be very important. So um, we always have a formula that we approach of what's the end result that you want, right? And then we're, you're going to be the hero. Karen and I were talking about this a little bit. Uh, you're going to be the hero. We're going to guide you to get there. So if you go into that approach of, you know, again, what is the clarity? What is the end result of this, you know, turbulent question that you're having? And then how can we help you get there is a great approach. I love that. And especially for those of us who are a little bit newer in the business, YPN has a lot of agents who are, you know, less than three. And I think that you all bring up great points about, you know, really knowing your market, learning the data and the numbers to be able to have these conversations, right? Yeah, so how do you stay in touch with past clients, and what are the best practices for this? Um, I'll go this one, yeah. Um, so do something that you're going to do. So, you know, there's a lot of formulas out there. Um, you know, you can do uh, the 36 Touch through the Millionaire Real Estate Agent. You can go to Tom Ferry. Um, you can go to a lot of different coaching programs, but pick the one that you're going to do um, and do it. And, you know, a lot of times you'll hear that people have hesitation to make phone calls to clients, right? So that's okay. If you're not gonna make phone calls to clients, do something in return. Either go see them, text them, Facebook messenger them, Instagram them, whatever you're going to do. But at the end of the day, just do it. Uh, one of our coaches one time said, you know, it's, it's like a workout plan. You know, everyone says, hey, I wanna lose weight. What workout plan should I do? The one that you're going to do, right? It's, it's that simple. So, you know, it's, there's a lot of formulas out there, you know, and a lot of them are proven. So. Um, at the end of the day, you know, we follow the 36 touch where, you know, you can Google that and look that up. But at the end of the day, just do something that you're going to do, but stay in front of them. It's very important. Um, don't, uh, don't let them go at least without a quarter without hearing from you, if not a month. That's a good point. I like the analogy to the working out because yeah. it's true. You just have to do, you have to do what you can do. You know, you're not going to call someone every day or, I mean, that would be annoying anyways, but, um, you just have to, to formulate a plan that works for you and your schedule. For me, um, I, I do yearly follow-ups with people who have bought. If someone's a renter, um, you make sure a month after, even if they buy, a month after, hey, how, how are, are things going in your new house? You know, put little calendar reminders in your Outlook or whatever you might use 
um, to you know, just. Nobody use Outlook. Anyway. I use Outlook. Does <laughs> anyone else use Outlook? <laughs> yeah. We got you. Yeah. What else do you use? Four people. <laughs> I, I did say I wanted to be better at technology. <laughs> um, but it's really just like Joe was saying, staying in front of people. For me, it's always been hard to. Um, I'm not someone who's just going to call and say, hey, you know, like, how's it going? That doesn't, doesn't feel genuine to me. So I always try to make it, even though it is a scheduled thing, um, you know, again, after they buy a month, three months, six months, I put little reminders in my calendar. Um, and I just reach out, hey, I was driving by or I was showing a place in your, in your hood. You know, how are things going? Did you see that new restaurant that opened? Just checking in, wanted to say hi. Like, nothing necessarily real estate related, but just being an authentic, nice human being and checking in just like you would with a friend who you haven't talked to in a while. Um, and then beyond that, you could still do real estate related stuff too. You know, sometimes I'll see a sale on the building or in the neighborhood and it's a great way to, or maybe I'll purposely look for a sale or, or something because I want a reason to reach out to my past clients. But just another way to be like, hey, I just saw your neighbor listed. What do you think about that? You know, this seems like a great price. Let's watch what happens. So. Um, but yeah, again, just staying in touch in front of people. For me, I really wanted to make it more of a genuine thing than a, I'm going to call this, this, this person, you know, every day because that was hard for me to think of something creative to talk about. But um, just kind of following up and checking in again, like you would a friend, it's worked for me. I'm actually not really good at that. Um, <laughs> and um, but but. To speak about authenticity, touching people, talking to them um, about what's relevant to my relationship with them um, is how I like to reach out to people, and you know, that can be certainly, um, you know, a past sale um, or a resource that I know that they need. Um, uh, versus telling them about like daylight savings time or something, I find like all of that stuff like super annoying. Um, it's also setting priorities um, of what you want. There's so many, so many things that we can do every day, um, and it, it starts with developing a good foundation and good habits. Um, my day starts every day at 5.40 a.m. Um, you can set your watch to it of the various things that I do. And you know, there's always time for navigating and, and audibles. But um, you know, I, I try, and when I say try, make that a habit of reaching out to one or two people. Not 10, not 20, not anything that you can't do, but just one. I think social media is a really good way, too, um, of just staying engaged with your clients, what they know, like what you're doing every day, you know, just with your posts um, relative to that. Um, you know, Instagram, Facebook, um, but I think it's just it's authentic touching with people and being relevant um, versus being annoying and spammy. I love this great advice, I, Barry. I especially love that when your neighbor lists, you call a recent homeowner that yeah. you sold a place to. That's and such a great idea. It's hard to keep track of at after a certain point, but you know. Luckily, you get to a point where if you have a certain amount of buyers or if you work certain neighborhoods, you just have to almost make a mental note and try to remember your sales, which you, if you're in it and you're really involved in it, you do. But um, you know, sometimes I'll notice it when I'm doing a search for a different buyer and I'm like, oh my god, I know that building. Wait. First I panic and I say, is that my client? Is he listening without me? And then I look up the and then I, I remember and it's not. And I feel better about it and then I email my client and say, hey, your neighbor listed. <laughs> Everything, everything's okay. <laughs> That's great. Um, so this brings me into um, basically lead generation, right? So what is the most effective forms of lead generation that you do? How do you grow your database and nourish your leads? I am the worst person to answer this question because my lead generation is exactly what I just said, just really 
following up with clients. I don't do any sort of lead generation service. Um, I've tried one in the past. I got no lead is a bad lead, I guess, but it just it wasn't the right fit for me. It wasn't neighborhoods I worked. Um, so my answer is similar to the last question. My lead generation is just the personal follow up and the touch point and all that stuff. Um, I make mean, I open houses. I've had a lot of success. I could call that a lead generator for me. You know, if you're doing an open house, whether it's your listing or not, um, what worked for me in the past is to do some research beforehand. Make sure if you're covering for someone that you know all the information about the property. Because people who come in and ask questions and you don't know the answer, they're not going to want to work with you. They want to work with someone who's educated about the property, about the market. Um, so just be prepared. Act like an expert even if you're not. Um, in terms of, I guess, open houses would be the only other thing that I have gotten leads from beyond just my personal database and referrals. Okay. <laughs> All right, so um, I, lead generation is the pillar of your business, in my opinion. So um, Karen made a comment about time blocking. She gets up at the same time every day. Um, you need to lead generate every day. It needs to be a compound effect. And again, I'm going to go back to, you know, what I don't care what how you lead generate, whether it's text messages, personal notes, or whatever it is, but you need to do something, and, you, and the compound effect is going to be big. So if you're a newer agent and you want to um, be a top producer, you know, and we're we're obviously great, and as far as you know, we're humbled for being up here. But you know, all we've done is talk to more people than you guys have. To be honest with you, at the end of the day, uh, yes, we run a business, and yes, we've talked to a lot of people, but. My thing that I do personally, and, and we have an environment on our team that we lead generate together every day. And some people call, some people write personal notes, some people um, text message. But I'm a big personal note person. I write a minimum of five personal notes a day. That's the one. That's the first thing that I do in the morning is write five personal notes a day. So um, whatever you decide to do, absolutely, as a newer agent, time block to lead generation and make sure you do it. The compound effect will blow your business up. I promise you. Open houses are a big lead generator that a lot of people don't want to do. Um, I think in order to really mine that successfully, you need to do it consistently. And consistently is like sort of a reoccurring theme for everything. Um, our group, we probably do 25 to 30 open houses every week. Um, we also schedule them in 90-minute intervals versus three or four hours like some other people might. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but giving people a real purpose to be there. Um, being an expert about whatever it is that you're in front of, if I'm covering for somebody else, if it's not my listing, I want to know everything about it um, so that I can speak intelligently about it. Um, I've had situations, it, it, it's amazing the places that you can actually get business from, and I, I'll give one story, actually two stories, but from a signed call, somebody had called um, on my listing, we engaged that person, I wound up selling probably four buildings to over the course of three years. Um, he's referred three other people to me. I've probably sold about $15 million just with that person from a signed call. Um, and it's treating being in the moment, you know, and treating these as opportunities to really shine and and be and, and have that clarity about what it is that you're talking about. Um, I had another situation where I was actually a listing agent um, for a listing that came as a result of a neighborhood bar that I went to um, and um, had represented him for his building and the buyer was coming with another agent. You know, I actually thought the buyer was sort of an asshole. But, um, you know, I didn't, I didn't let that show and, you know, we just went through the process. We sold and a week afterwards he called me and he said, you know, I was really impressed with how you represented your client. Um, and I'd like to work with you. I said, you need to have a conversation with your agent first, you know, before you do that, because I don't want there to be any, you know, we're all working together and it's, you know, honest and collaborative. Um, 
that one person um, I have sold 25 buildings to. Um, his wife has referred mega clients to me, um, us, and um, also she referred to us a 1031 Starker Exchange client that resulted in the biggest sale of our career was a $13 million sale for one building. Um, and that came from a bar, <laughs> you know? So it's like, there's, y y we're always on, you know, we're always, there are opportunities everywhere and it's, it's putting yourself in those situations um, and, and, and being engaged and not being dismissive. I've picked up listings, sitting at an open house for, you know, sellers that are coming to check out their competition. And, you know, I'm there to sell my listing. I'm not there to pick you up. And if you want to engage with me, I'm absolutely happy to engage with you. But same thing, there, there's opportunities everywhere and it's not about paying Zillow um, or paying lead generation, but, but looking at just real world, like what's right in front of your face. I love that, that every opportunity is really a, a chance to shine, right? Um, I do have a quick follow-up, if you don't mind. Sure. For the open houses, do you use any specific app or software to capture those leads from your open houses, or is it just kind of communication relationships? We have a, we have a Google, uh, Google Docs that people sign into, and then um, we have the ability then with the follow-up with that, so every agent that's sitting in the open house, um, you know, people would sign, they have to sign in, um, and then from there, yeah, we collect it from there. Joe, did you have something that, that you I, I'm just looking forward to going to a bar with Karen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you three are obviously superstar agents and you've had a lot of growth in your business. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about what the hiring process was like for you? You obviously can't be two places at once, so at what point did you hire somebody to help you grow your business? Yeah, this is uh, this is the nugget right here that probably a lot of people are looking for, right? So. Um, I would say that uh, Karen and I were having this conversation before uh, we came up here was um, the, probably the biggest downfall that everyone has is they all say that if I could just hire me again, right? If I could just get myself again, um, I'll be fine. That's, that could not be more false, okay? So um, I know Karen and her partner Stacy are very well and they're, they're very well and they're also very different, right? So that works for them. But at the end of the day, um, you gotta hire somebody who's not you who's gonna do the things that you're, you know, are not good at and you're not going to do. Um, so typically we're entrepreneurs in here, typically we're high ISs, we're people person, stuff like that. So you need to find that comprehensive person. You need to find the person who's going to do the paperwork, the behind the scene things, so you could be out there being face to face with people and you're not being bogged down in the office. But the math to it is if you follow a formula is, um, that you know, this is this is stats. This is not me making it up. Is a single agent can do 24 to 36 transactions by themselves without getting burned out. Um, some people have a little bit higher of a lid. So when you're tracking at two to three units a month, you need to start looking for your first ad operations person, your first admin person. Joe and I were talking about um, the question that was posed um, related to showings is what we heard. Um, and Joe corrected that by talking about, you know, really running it as a business. And I think it's how you look at your career. Um, I, I was, uh, I think I sold like maybe $30 million without an assistant and I had no life. Um, and, and I was also, you know, young and ambitious and I still am fairly young and ambitious. But um, you know, it's you, you have to look at the big picture for what you want to accomplish, and everybody's different. It's not a one size fits all. Um, for showing help, you can start. You can take baby steps, or you can take you know the big step. But when we formed our team, which was March 17th um, in 2004, um, the the step that I took was I took a 50% pay cut 
um, because I felt that um, the people that I needed on to support me, um, I wanted them to have a piece of my action and have ownership. Um, and it was a, it was a risk that I took that paid in spades. Um, there's small little ways that you can do that, and if you want to come up and talk to me afterwards, I'll share with you like some of the things that we've done that have worked really really well. But um, hiring is growth. Um, you can't you have to look at it as investing in yourself and investing in what you want to create. Um, if you're you know if you're happy selling five million dollars a year and and you know working 30 hours a week and going on vacation you know that that's cool like there's nothing wrong with that um, I want to sell 150 million dollars a year and work 30 hours a week and go on vacation and do that and that's my goal you know but it's like everybody's own goal is it, it's what you want to invest in it and as you start to build you, you basically just need to take the step you need to take the step to invest um, but again I'm happy to talk to anybody about like little showing stuff because I know that that was sort of a specific question that we saw um, our team grew differently <laughs> than these guys. Not saying one is better than the other, but um, I definitely, I was busy, same, you know, just selling a lot of real estate, didn't really have a life, who was almost dreading taking vacations because I just knew how stressful it would be. Um, and just my head was spinning. I remember it was 2013 for me where, you know, the market picked up just so quickly and I just did not have the staff or the backing for it. Um, so for me, that's what I knew is just, I, I didn't have a life. Um, but I do think you want to try to get ahead of it in general and invest in yourself as Karen said, because it's scary. It's scary to give away some of your commission or your, or your pay someone a salary or however you want to structure it, figure out what works best for you. Um, and what's the least scary and maybe share an assistant with someone to just test the waters. But if you're at all thinking of. Should I, should I, should I, should I get assist, an assistant? Should I not get an assistant? You probably should. If you're at that point where you're toying with the idea, it's probably not a bad idea to just hire someone, find someone, at least look and work out a structure that makes sense because um, the amount of relief you'll feel when you just have help and even a sense of, for me, once I, we got this team, it was a, a sense of camaraderie too, where you have a team to bounce ideas off of and to talk about crazy sellers, crazy buyers, or um, different things like that. But I, I just think it's different for everyone, but um, you do need support at a certain point, and um, I think there's a, diff a lot of different ways you can go about doing it. Ours just grew very organically with the partnership with Elena. Um, by us just selling a lot in the building, and then that has just grown into this team of 11 agents who are all wonderful, and um, we wanted to help them grow, and um, I don't even know where I'm going with this, <laughs> but I mean, ours just, just, it was just so organic that it all happened so fast, and my team is laughing at me, thank you, so maybe I should just stop talking. Um, <laughs> These guys had a better answer for that. <laughs> no, these were these are all great. Well, I mean, what, what uh, you know, at the end of the day, what Barry's saying is, is guys, remember what we talked about in the beginning is it's messy, okay? Like, it's so messy. you know, Barry went into this and all of a sudden, and it's still messy. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. we love every minute of it. And it's going to continue to be messy. So go ahead and make make the jump, you know, and hire someone. And it might seem like you're not giving the answer that you want, but over here I'm like ferociously taking notes. I'm it's like, hire somebody who's not you. It's just an ever-changing thing. You know, I, I started with one assistant, and then that assistant got just so busy that we both needed 
help. So she broke off and she now has her own assistant. And so just, it's a constant restructuring depending on where you're at in your career and how you're growing. And so there's just, there's not one answer in my discombobulated word vomit that I just did. That's what I meant. <laughs> and Barry and Karen, did you find that your benchmark was similar to Joe's in your experience? 24 to 36 transactions is about a year is about when you... Mm -hmm. yeah, mine wasn't like that, was, yeah. but I just studied that. So no. Mine was like the same as Karen's. Where That's probably more. Yeah, more. It's more. It's probably more. That's yeah. just what the data really shows kind of now. Breaking your backs until finally... We were seven days a week all the, all the time, every day. You know, for I never really time. thought about, you know, the funny thing is, is that I, I never look at numbers. I mean, when there's certain numbers that are very important and, and I'm a highly accountable person, but like in terms of like sales and like where you are, I, I, I compete with myself. I don't compete with anybody else but me um, to be the best, the best version of me um, that I can be. And um, what I wanted to talk about hiring again, just with, um, you know, with, when you hire somebody, so you made the decision that you're going to hire somebody, now what? You know, they need to be trained. You know, you need to be able to effectively communicate what you want. And I think before you hire somebody, I think you need to write a clear checklist of exactly what you need from that person to do for you and the timelines and guidelines that you expect them. Response time in our business we know is super, is, is like super important. Um, it's not just like hiring somebody and, and the magic is, is, is there, it's not. And you're gonna go through, you know, hiring people that aren't gonna be the right fit and um, you need to make sure that you hold whoever you're hiring accountable right from the beginning about exactly what your expectation is. Um, I, I hire people on like 90 day trial periods. It's a, it's a trial for them to get to know me, you know, just as much as me to get to know them. Um, because if it's not gonna work in 90 days, like that, that's a good time for us to both say, hey, you know, like let's, let's take it from there. I, as, as, as cool of a person as I am, I am not an easy person to work for. I can tell you my staff, I can tell you, um, I have a high bar. And I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's not bad. It's just, you know, it's my drive and my, my goal for what I want to achieve and, and how I compete. Um, but it's, when you're hiring somebody, you want to be very, very clear about what you want. And when you are ready to hire somebody else, you know, it, it, you should be working at that point that um, you're, you're at maximum capacity so that you're ready to go to that next step. And, and don't hire just for the sake of a warm body. Hire because you really, like, that is the right fit and the right person. We could spend all day talking about this, to be honest with you, because it is honestly the most important thing that you're going to do for your business is getting into business with the right people. Um, so what I, I am totally in alignment with what Karen is saying. And also a great way, you need to train them. and. A great way of putting that is, hey, we're, I'm going to hire you the day we hire you, and we're going to decide to go into business together in 90 days. You know, is it a good fit? And you should have 30-day trials or 30-day check-ins with those people. But at the end of the day, what we've worked on and what we've, we've grown with and done well with is let the standard do the dirty work. Here is the job description. You know, have them sign it. Can you do this? Will you make, will you make X amount of phone calls a day? Will you do X whatever, you know, whatever the job description is? And then when you let the standard do the dirty work, you're not the bad guy when it doesn't work out, or a bad woman when it doesn't work out. You're just the person, right? Because at the end of the day, they will self-discover that if they can't hit the standards, it's not a good fit. Hiring. Keep but hiring, because hiring is super important. It's really important. Um, get out of your own way, too. When you have a really good person, get out of your own way. And that's something that I've had to learn how to do, um, and I've gotten better at it. And be okay with releasing some of the control. Yeah, I haven't done well with it. <laughs> the team is 
shaking their heads. And just out of curiosity, how do you find these people? Is it word of mouth? Do you make a post about it? Do you, you know, where where are you finding um, your next hire? We found people on our team in all different ways. Um, my first assistant, I found, um, she was a friend of my husband. It was she was a friend of a friend. Long story short. Um, but we've also found people uh, via Simply Hired. Um, I think we've even posted on Craigslist and Facebook. But um, so just word of mouth, friends of friends, posting on Facebook has actually been pretty helpful because your friends or people you trust know and look at it and if they know of anyone. Um, so for us, word of mouth has been big, but also just the generic hiring websites. I try to hire from within. Um, you know, people that are already within our company um, that um, to create opportunity, um, or if there's you know lines that cross. Um, but Facebook would be one way. Um, delegating this to you know other people um, to you know reach out to like in, in situations like this, or people that you know may have interest in wanting to work on somebody's team and coming up and saying, hey, how can I be like that? So. You know, it, it, it's pointed. Um, our team is pretty tight. We're not, I mean, for the number of transactions that we do, we should probably have more people. Um, but um, we, we, we've we made a concerted effort this year that we actually are going to be hiring um, hiring agents that are going to be working under, on, under our team and also um, possibly one more admin at this point. But we, we tend to, you know, we, we learn through experience and through immersion just and, and failing forward. And there's nothing wrong with failing. And, yeah, like you had said earlier, it's like the people, you know, like the top producers that you were on the panel that you were with at Keller Williams that are, you know, doing mega transactions, they've just failed more than, than us. And it's learning from that. And we've got time for one more question, so I'm going to do it kind of in a two-parter. What do you do during downtimes that allow you to continue to grow your business? And also, what is your why? What drives you? During downtimes... Go to bars. <laughs> um, sure, why not? Get a drink. But um, reach out to past clients, learn about the market, do open houses. Um, there's always something to do. I have found it very helpful. I don't always go to the office every day, um, but I always try to go somewhere. Going to coffee shops, going to a different restaurant for lunch, but also working there. You will be so surprised at the amount of people that you run into and strike up a conversation. I mean, just like Karen said, meeting people at a bar, there's opportunities everywhere. So um, don't. my advice is don't stay at home. Don't just stay at home and twiddle your, twiddle your thumbs. Make plans for lunch. Make, make plans or go work at a, a coffee shop with a friend or by yourself. It doesn't matter. But as long as you're in front of people, you're just creating more opportunities, even in the down market. I, when I when I first started in real estate, um, interest rates were I think like 10 or 11 percent, um, and there was no such thing as a condo, and the fax machine just came out. <laughs> and I'm not kidding. <laughs> um, I you know it was creating business, you know, and 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 this is something like just that we always can, like I would love to continue to do, but obviously in different ways in terms of how people communicate. But I cold called every day, every day, for probably a good seven years um, as I built my referrals. So it's like, hey, hey, you know, it's like um, postcards. Um, I know they're old school, but they work. I, we, we blast postcards for every sold listing that we have. We probably get two to three responses you know, every month that we get other listings from that. Um, it's working on organization, file organization, the team touching all the files. That's an ongoing thing, but it's like even working harder on that. Um, you know, 
when, when you're a team running down the court, you know, you want to be able to make, and sports always has the best analogies, you want to be able to pass the ball and, you know, everybody has to, you know, they don't have to, you don't want them to dig for things. It needs to be easy. We need to push the Amazon button. So it's continuing to try to innovate um, to create um, just administrative, tax and, administrative ta tasks and to streamline um, just everything that we do on a daily basis. So that's my downtime. Um, so downtime, I read. Um, Karen and I were talking about, um, we just finished a book together not long ago called Atomic Habits, but um, I read and try to get better, personal growth. Um, business why, is that what you said, the why? So business why is, there's a couple people in this room that I've committed to um, netting a million dollars to through the real estate business. And um, so I'm committed to doing that through uh, helping them, right, and guiding them to that process. So my why is really helping others and giving back, you know, either giving back to them professionally, but also um, giving back at a high level. So our team is giving $500 per transaction, the Children's Home and Aid, for this year with a goal of raising $125,000 to give back to them. So that's, um, that's what we're, you know, that's what drives us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But def definitely read during your downtime. What was it? What was the name? Read. Of oh, Atomic Habits. Okay, Corey, do we have time for a few questions? She says maybe two. So if we ask them quickly, we can maybe squeeze in three. Anybody have any questions? Oh, yeah. Yes. How do you guys structure your day? He asked, How do you structure your day? I am not as structured as these two <laughs> seem to be. Um, but but I, I try to have some structure. Every morning I wake up and I, I mean I have my little, I would say I'll call them calendar reminders in my old school Outlook email. Um, and I go through them and I try to do the check-ins that I've scheduled previously, whether it's with buyers who have closed in the past, birthdays, um, writing birthday cards. Just I have little calendar reminders every day, so that's usually what I try to do first thing in the morning, whether I'm successful or not. It's another story, but I do get it done that day. Um, and then I, the night before, I'll look at my schedule because every day is just so different. So for me, it's, it's hard to structure it because you're just kind of running around some days, not even really having time to be in front of your computer or do anything at all. Um, luckily, I have a great admin staff that helps me with that. Um, but I don't want to say I don't have a structure because I do, but it's definitely not the same every day. Um, but I, I, I do stick to a plan of committing myself to um, doing the touch points like we talked about, following up on my calendar reminders, um, looking at Facebook and trying to see what's going on with my clients, running through my client searches in the MLS to um, see if any new properties have come up that make sense to go out and see. Um, so it really just depends on the day. Monday is a very different day than Friday. Friday, I'm sending my clients open houses. Hey, I know you don't, you're not <coughs> excited to go out yet or you're in beginning stages, but here are some open houses that are happening. So um, every day is different. Not, it's a little fly by the seat of your pants, but that's what makes it fun. <laughs> Um, so when, when I heard that the one truth in life is that everyone has 24 hours in the day, you know, that really hit home for me. So how I structure my day starts the night before. So I prep and get an understanding of what I'm going to be doing that day. Um, Karen, 
I do beat Karen at what time I get up. I get up at 4.30 in the morning every day. Um, so that just works for me. Uh, it's, it's just what I do. But I read during that time. Um, I visualize what's going to go on with the business. I brainstorm during that time. I exercise for 20 to 30 minutes. I'm not that big of a, I hate exercising, so I only do it for 20 to 30 minutes. And then um, I'm in the office, typically between 7.30 and 8.30, depending. And um, I lead generate from that time until 11 o'clock. And then nothing else matters. I really don't care what what happens after that. So I, Monday through Friday, um, I actually plan my, my week, my month, my year. Um, so there's a lot of just be, you know, and that kind of ties into maybe some other questions too about downtime. But um, you know, Mondays are a day. Well, I get up at 5:40 in the morning. I um, get my coffee. I work out from 6.30 to 7.30. I go to the grocery store, I buy my lunch and dinner, which I make. I very rarely go out to eat, not because I don't like restaurants, but just based on my day and how I invest in my health. Um, I'm usually at the office between 8.30 and 9 o'clock. Um, and on Mondays, I have developer meetings. So I'm meeting with all of our developer clients face-to-face, -face, um, talking about the projects, what um, price changes we might need to make, what's happening. Um, and that's basically rolls until about 2 o'clock. Um, we have team meetings where we're planning our week, what we're doing for open houses, what properties are coming up, um, what what um, what's on the agenda for just what needs to be serviced and to make sure that we have all of that serviced. And that would be like a typical Monday. Um, Tuesdays are our marketing meeting. So there's theme days, you know, with like different branches. Um, with our accountant, we meet once a month to talk about our numbers and where we're at. Um, numbers in terms of just, because you have to make it a profitable business. Um, Downtime is also really important too. Um, I, you know, Mondays are a day that I generally work late. Um, when I say late, I'm usually home by like 7:30. Um, but you know, there's some days where I can do a 12-hour day, and it's not because I wear that as a badge. It's just you do what, what's necessary. Um, I used to see that as a sign of success. I don't see that as a sign of success anymore. Um, but I also, you know, I'm not above whatever needs to be done at the same token. Um, but my goal is typically to be home between 6 and 6:30. Um, I look at the hot sheet every day. I'm watching markets from, you know, Edgewater to really uh, Hyde Park, and then west, you know, into Hermosa, um, and then some. Um, just with, with what's happening, I have buyers that I'm working with, um, so I'm scheduling them in, in between. I'm typically at two to three listing appointments a week. Um, I'm doing pricing for projects that are being considered, um, and and that's really like like what I'm doing all the time. S Saturdays, I try to I, I do open houses for myself personally. Um, once a month, I'll say, maybe sometimes twice a month. I'm still kind of working on Saturday, but um, my that's the, the time for my husband, and that's actually my biggest accomplishment. Um, I've been married 33 years to my high school sweetheart. I have two children um, that are 30 and 25, <laughs> and uh, I'm I'm an empty nester, so I'm ready to kill it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. That was such a great question um, that we're actually just going to wrap up on that, if that's okay with everybody. So this concludes our panel today. We appreciate everybody taking the time out of their day to come and listen. And thank you to these three. Can we get one more round of applause?